Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Good morning. How are we doing today, Summit family? It's great to see you. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for being a part of what God is doing here at Summit Church. Um, I want to welcome you all, especially if you're a guest with us. Thanks for being here. Please make yourself at home. And if you have any questions um, about anything you see or experience, we'd love to answer those questions. We'd love to get connected with you. So thank you for being here. I also want to welcome all of our uh, Summit Blairsville family that are watching and worshiping with us today from Blairsville. Can we give Summit Blairsville a round of applause this morning? We love you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. It's great to see what God's doing in Blairsville. We love that. Um, we've had a great weekend so far, and uh, we're going to have a, a great day today. Um, I do want to let you know we're finishing up our series today called Big Ten. We started this series back on Memorial Day weekend with our six for six, and I've uh, just been walking through it together. And uh, we get to wrap that up today, and, uh, and I'm excited because we've got a special guest who's going to be doing that. Uh, Pastor Chris Trethway leads a wonderful church up in Dubois. They're a multi-site church, so we just added our first location, and I think they've got eight locations. Um, they're doing some amazing things in some small towns, and we've got similar heart. And so when God connected us a few years ago after Pastor Chris came to Tri-County Church, um, we just became pretty fast friends and a lot of similarities, a lot of similar values, uh, a lot of similar similarities in our situations and uh, churches and things like that. And it's, uh, it's been fun to journey together and walk together. And I'm so appreciative of him and his friendship, his leadership. He spoke at Back 40 on Saturday and did such an incredible job encouraging and challenging pastors. And I am sure that he is going to bless you today as he uh, wraps up our series for us called Big Ten, and so please do me a favor and welcome with me to the stage, Pastor Chris Trethway. Well, it is truly an honor to be here with all of you today, and uh, like Mel mentioned, uh, we live in Dubois, uh, and uh, uh, we have churches across um, Pennsylvania, and God has just done such incredible movement through Tri-County um, Church, and I just, I, I just love to see what God is doing through his church, because his church is the vehicle of hope uh, to share with everyone the story, the good news about Jesus, and the church must be the beacon of light in every community, no matter the size, and I Part of my story is I, I've always lived in bigger cities, bigger, bigger towns, and God led my wife and I to Dubois. And uh, we had this list, Kim was sharing this, um, reminded me of this last night, we had this list. Um, it's, you know those lists you give to God? You're like, hey God, this is my list, right? And I think God just laughs at our list sometimes. And uh, one of the things on our list um, uh, was that we, we would only live in a place that had a Starbucks. And I... I'm not saying Starbucks is the best coffee, but we just never live a place without one. And God led us to a community without one. And in fact, all of our churches are in communities without a Starbucks. And I think it's just God's way of like laughing at us and our, our list. But uh, I'm married to Kim. Uh, next no November, uh, we'll hit 25 years, which is crazy. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the clapping for that. It's been a crazy awesome journey and one of the things I love is that we get to lead and serve God's church together and that's it's it's just a gift 
It's just an absolute gift that we get to do that together. And so we've done that over our years together. We have two daughters, uh, a 19-year-old and a 15-year-old. And so parents, uh, if you've led through this season of life, you can feel my pain. So we're, we're leading through the season with our 19-year-old of what, what it means to release and let go. <sighs> All of you parents know, as soon as you become a parent, you realize how little you know. <laughs> and every season of parenting is like that. So new parents, if you're sitting there feeling like you know nothing, welcome to the journey. That will never stop. And so we have two amazing donors. We love what God is doing in their lives. Uh, we also, um, literally the January before COVID hit in March, uh, we added to our family a golden retriever. Her name's Lola. And God knew what we needed. And poor Lola, I mean, she, she came into our house. And then uh, I think six weeks later, I mean, lockdown. So she just thinks life is about all of us being at home all the time. So she doesn't understand that that's not how humans work. But uh, we haven't told her yet. And so Lola has stolen our, our heart. And um, it is 2021. So Lola has her own Instagram account because it's 2021. It's Lola the Golda. So if you get bored at any time in the next, I don't know, 15, 20, 30 minutes, feel free, take out your phone, go to Instagram, search Lola the Golda, and just look, she's the cutest dog ever. And what's been hilarious is people are actually following her account now. Say, she's adorable. And so that's, that's kind of a snapshot of our family. One of the things I love and appreciate about Mel is he was the first pastor when I moved to Dubois four and a half years ago uh, that reached out to me. I knew no one in the state and he just reached out. And uh, there's a leadership value within our, our leadership culture at TCC. And uh, one of those values is the word encouragement. But we have a very specific phrase we attach to the word encouragement. And the phrase is to speak life and stand beside. And those are two very specific actions that we always talk about. What encouragement looks like is speaking life. It's specific words of encouragement and standing beside. Because sometimes the greatest encouragement you can give someone is to be present in their world. And I just tell you, those two parts of encouragement just embodies who Mel is. And uh, he has just spoken life into me and stood beside me. And I tell you, it, it truly is a gift. And that's why I love Summit Church. I love Back 40, your generosity, helping Back 40 to encourage pastors across the state is such an incredible gift. As Again, God's church is the vehicle to share the greatest message ever, the hope of Jesus and his love. Well... We're bringing this series, Big Ten, to a conclusion, and uh, I wanted to start off by sharing a couple thoughts. Maybe you know these, or maybe this will be new information for you, but do you realize that us human beings spend about a third of our lives sleeping? A third of our lives. Now, right now, some of you are wishing that you could spend more of your life sleeping, you think about that, you're like, a third, I wish I could go from eight hours to 10 hours. Some of you are trying to stretch it to 12 hours of sleep a night. You're like, if I got 12, you know who you are. You're like, that'd be awesome. Some of you are type A personalities like me, and your whole pursuit in life is to see how little sleep you really need. It's like, man, I, I don't need eight. I, could, I can get by with six, five hours. I can stretch it. Like, I don't want to waste my life away. 
when we start thinking about human beings, you know, somewhere around a third of our lives is spent sleeping, all the experts say eight to nine hours, I started thinking to myself, well, how does that match up with the rest of the animal kingdom? And this is what I found. Cats spend two-thirds of their lives sleeping, and that's why they're the most worthless animal ever. <laughs> yep, some of you love me more and some of you hate me right now. It's okay. It's verifiable. Cats are the most worthless animals ever. And, uh, and so, you know, I started thinking, like, well, two-thirds of their life spent sleeping. And then our Lola the Golda, she spends about the same amount of time sleeping as well. And I was like, well, how does that match up with the rest of the animal kingdom? These are the things I think about. And this is what I discovered. Do you know the animal that gets the most sleep out of all the animals? Somewhere around 22 hours a day? Koala bears. Who would have thought? I don't know. You came to church expecting different information, but here you go. This is what you get. Right next to the koala bear is armadillos, then bats. Think about that list, the most amount of sleep. Then I thought to myself, well, what animals get the least amount? And this shocked me. The least amount, clocking in somewhere around two to three hours of sleep a day, you, the two animals. Elephants and giraffes. I know. Surprising. You would think an elephant would sleep its entire day. No. Two, three hours. Then the next animals on the least amount, horses. And then for all of you hunters, this will explain a lot, deer. No wonder you can never find them to shoot them. They're, they're never sleeping. They're, never, right? they're, they're always moving. Think about the amount of sleep you get. Have you ever been on a plane before? And you see that person sitting in a row ahead of you or maybe catty wampus from you and they're sitting there and they're doing the head jerk thing as they're nodding off. Isn't that hilarious to watch? I, I, I think it's highly entertaining, by the way. Because guess what? When it happens to you, how frustrating is it, right? You know how, when, when you're there, you're trying to doze off and your head keeps on. Right? Well, there's actually a medical term for that. Maybe you didn't know that. It's called hypnic jerks. Now, if you're married, do not call your spouse a hypnic jerk. That might not end well. But that's what it's called. It's that sensation of falling asleep and your body jerking awake. Do you know that within five minutes of waking up, 50% of what you dreamt, you've forgotten? Within five minutes. In the next five minutes, you've forgotten 90% of what you dreamt. And that gets really frustrating when you have that incredible dream. You know that incredible dream? You wake up, you're like, it was the best dream ever. And you, you go to tell your spouse or you call a friend, like, hey, I had this incredible dream. It was about, and you're like, I don't know, but it was good. <laughs> but it also can work to your favor. Husbands, you, you get this. My wife has this habit of waking up ticked off at me. I'm like, I've been asleep. What did I do? She goes, in my dream you did. I'm like, wait, you're mad at me because in your dream I did something? That's not my fault. But here's where it works in my favor. Within five minutes, she's forgotten 50% of what I did. And within the next five minutes, she's forgotten 90%. And the rest of the day, she's still ticked off at me, but she can't remember why. It works to your favor. The, the record for the longest period without sleep 
was clocked in, 19, in the 1960s. It was 11, uh, 11 days, 25 minutes. And what's interesting is that record is still part of the Guinness Book of World Records. But the, the Guinness organization decided when they clocked in that guy at 11 days. Could you imagine spending 11 days awake? I mean, just uh, one all-nighter, right? It's like, oh, I can't do that ever again. But the Guinness organization actually decided not to ever record that record again. Why? Because sleep deprivation is so damaging to a person. In fact, experts have come to the conclusion that sleep deprivation will kill you more quickly than food deprivation. But with all their research into sleep, With all the knowledge and all the time and all the wisdom, do you know what all the experts have come to this one conclusion? That the need for sleep is still a mystery. One of the the top research scientists into human beings and sleep, he works at NYU. He goes, It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. That we still don't know why, as human beings, we, we need sleep. Because at the macro level, we understand it. At the macro level, we get it. At the macro level, we know there's a rejuvenation that goes within the mind and the body. We understand that at the macro. But right underneath that, we, we still don't know. Why do we have to sleep? They don't know. It's still a mystery. It's still unknown to them. So do you wake up feeling tired? Does it feel like you can't get enough sleep? Are you in a constant state of exhaustion? Are you hoping that vacation, (laughs) vacation will solve your exhaustion issue, but in all reality, you know it really won't. This last year, um, during the season of Lent, and if you're not familiar with Lent, it's a, it's a season of preparation leading into the Easter celebration. And during Lent, uh, I, just, I write daily just to help people. I post it on social media just to help people prepare leading into Easter. And on day 20 of Lent this, this last year, this is what I, I wrote. Have you found yourself sleeping 7, 8, or 12 hours and waking up tired? Have you actually taken an entire weekend just to relax and then wake up Monday morning feeling completely exhausted? This has been a season where I just do not feel rested. No matter what techniques and disciplines I try to implement, weariness continues to assault me daily. I find myself wanting to wave the white flag. Please know. I completely realize that this isn't a physical issue or something that can be solved by choosing to get to bed earlier. What I'm facing, and more likely you as well, is spiritual and emotional exhaustion. This type of exhaustion can't be fixed with just simple tips and tricks. It's exhaustion revealing itself at the soul level. What is the solution? And right after I wrote the question, what is a solution, I actually wrote two sentences 
That was the solution. And I remember writing the two sentences. I'm not going to even share them with you. Because I remember writing them going, Chris, that's, that's not it. But I felt like I had to try to answer it. But it started me on a journey to, well, to, to answer the question, what, what, what is the solution? And I just think God always works in such incredible ways. And so when Pastor Melody said, hey, Chris, will you, will you conclude this series? And oh, by the way, it's on rest. I just smiled because this is just how God works. But I did include a P.S. And the P.S. is really important, especially where we're going today. So this was my P.S. on this Lent post. P.S. You should get more sleep. You should exercise. You, you should eat healthily. Caring for your physical self will assist you in care for your spiritual self. And that's important. You should care for your physical self. You should get good sleep. You should eat right. You should exercise. All of that self-care will help. But what we're talking about is a, an exhaustion at a much deeper level. An exhaustion that no matter how much sleep you get, it, it's not going to give you rest. An exhaustion at a deeper level that no matter what you eat and how you exercise and how you care for your physical body, it's not going to impact. But if we ignore those things, right, it is going to have a domino effect but it's exhaustion that, well, we're trying to solve and we just can't seem to sleep it away. Are you there now? Is that the season you're in now? One of the words when it comes to like time management, calendar, and maybe you've used this word before, it's the word balance. And I just think this is just not the right word when it comes to, well looking, at the, well, looking at your calendar and looking at the rhythm of your life. We talk about trying to get balance, and I, I, don't, think, um, I don't think this is allowed anymore on uh, uh, playgrounds, but if you're a little bit older, um, do, you remember, do you remember the playground toy, the teeter-totter? Awesome. You could launch your friends up in the air. It was incredible, right? Again, probably not allowed anymore because we don't want kids to get hurt. But my friends and I, we would jump on one end. We'd send little Johnny flying. It was an amazing piece of technology. And if you're not familiar with what a teeter-totter is because you were raised in a generation where they want to protect you, just go to Lowe's, get a two-by-six and a bucket. Make your own. But when you think about a teeter-totter, like if I said just balance on it, think about how much energy it would take for you to stand on that teeter-totter in the middle and try to keep balance. Your entire focus, everything would be about, I, I can't go left, I can't go right, and that's all you would think about. And so many times when we think about our calendar, our rhythm of life, we're, we, we, we think, well, I just, if I get everything in balance, then I'll be good, but we never achieve balance, and we waste so much energy trying to get balance. Well, God gives us, well, he gives us a solution. And it's one of these big ten commandments. Here's what God said. God said, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Now, if you've ever me memorized these ten, this is the one you, you memorize. This is the phrase. But this is only a small piece of what God said. There's verses 9 through 11. In verses 9 through 11, I would encourage all of you to go read that at some point. God actually extrapolates what he means by this. In fact, this command, 
God spent the most amount of time on this one. And that has to lead you to ask the question, why did God on this one spend the most amount of time explaining this one? Right? That's the question you, you, gotta, you gotta ask. Out of all 10, God chose this one. He's like, I, I'm gonna camp out right here. And I think the answer is simply God knows us. He knows us. He's like, we, we gotta pay attention to this one. You see, the Sabbath... Well, it wasn't about balance. It was all about rhythm. See, God designed us for rhythm. When you go and you read verses 9 through 11 in Exodus, God says, hey, just look back at how I created the world. Go to Genesis, and there's the rhythm that God spoke stars into place. He created the world, and after six days, what did he do? He rested. Did God rest because he was tired? No. Scott. He rested because he was modeling a rhythm. So attached to this, well, this, this command, there's a rhythm of work six days and rest one. Now, I want to be clear on this. This is a great rhythm, and if you don't have this in your life right now, I want to highly encourage you to put this into practice. It's one thing my wife and I have worked diligently on especially leading within the church and there's always needs and always walking beside people and all of that we still have committed to a 6-1 rhythm in our life but here's one thing that God and God fully understood Jesus fully understood and honestly well to all of these commands what they understood was we as human beings are experts aren't we at trying to find the loophole in any law let me prove my point. When the speed limit sign says 35, how many miles over that can you go? Hello, some of you are already up five. Five is the standard. For me, it's five unless you hit 55. 55, you can increase it to 10. I know if you're in law enforcement right now, you're like, mm, but you know it's true. Right? This is what we do. Right? We find loopholes everywhere. And God understood that. So you know what Jesus did? Jesus was so specific. He understood the loopholes. So what Jesus did with these laws and other laws, he refined and elevated. And he did that with the Sabbath. You see, when Jesus got here on this earth, the Jewish religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the Jewish people, they, well, they had found loopholes around the Sabbath. You see, the Sabbath was actually attached to, well, if you were a farmer, it was attached to your land. That you would be able to work your land for six years, but on the seventh year, you had to let it rest. That was part of it. But they found a loophole. You know what the loophole was? They would work it six years. And when it came to the seventh year of rest, the Jewish people would go find pagan people, hire them to work their land, and they would get a percentage of the crops. Loophole. And God's like, you missed it. It was about letting the land rest and trusting him to provide. So Jesus comes on the scene and the Jewish people had done what the Jewish people had done to all the laws. That's why Jesus took the law, the command of love, refined it, elevated it. He said, love everyone. 
And when we try to find a loophole to love everyone, when we go, yeah, 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 I know we're supposed to love everyone, but, but Jesus, do you know what that person, yep, love them. Yeah, do you know what my dad, yep, love them. Do you know what my boss, yep, love them. All people means all people. See what Jesus did with love? And we try to get a loophole around it, and Jesus is like, no, there's no loophole. You're, you're, you're to love everyone. And that's what Jesus is going to do with the Sabbath. Now, there's going to be one spiritual insight that I hope you hold on to attached to the Sabbath. And then I'm going to share with you three very, very, very practical responses to help the rhythm of your life. And so that's where we're going with the time we have left. So Jesus says, his words, he said, come to me. It's an invitation. An invitation to come to him. But he didn't stop there. He says, come to me all who are. And what's incredible about this invitation, because maybe for you, and I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey, but maybe for you right now you're like, okay, yeah, but is Jesus really inviting me? That's why the word all is so critical here. Yeah, that's, you're an all. If you're sitting there like, yeah, but Chris, you don't know my story. You don't know what I think. You don't know what I believe. You, know, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've come from. Chris, I'm not a, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're an all. There's no, there's no loophole around all. Jesus is like, no, no, come to me all. So that's an invitation for every one of you because you're, you're an all. And then Jesus says, all who are weary. Are you weary from the stress and strain of life? I mean, this, this last 18 months, stress and strain, I've talked with so many business owners, small business owners. And what they've had to navigate through this last 18 months just to keep their business going. All who are weary and burdened. I love the visual image of this word burden. It means a load too heavy for you to carry. Is there a load too heavy for you to carry right now? Now here's what I get. Some of you were raised in a house. And usually it's attached to a dad. That says, hey, just pull up your big boy pants. Welcome to life. Figure it out. But guess what? We all encountered seasons of life where the load is too heavy for us to carry. Correct? No matter how big boy pants you have, it's just too heavy. Right now, right now, I have some great friends and I mean that. Yeah, they're on my team at TCC. But guess what? Yeah, I'm a pastor and I'm a leader of staff. But guess what? I'm a Christ follower who wants to walk with, will walk with people. I'm on vacation. And I'm texting with one husband who, well, their marriage is absolutely crumbling right now. And I don't know if it's going to make it. I'm texting with another staff member whose mo- mother, her health is rapidly Declining. And as a son, he's broken. I'm texting with a board member whose wife for the past 20, 25 years has been navigating tumors and cancers that the doctors can't figure it out. Right now, I got another text this morning. Her body's not accepting the feeding tube. She can't eat. And they don't know how to solve it. 
I have another board member that has lymphoma. And actually, my wife and I, with our kids, were on vacation. We're playing cornhole. And uh, we're playing cornhole, which I'd never played until I moved to Pennsylvania, by the way. I never even heard of cornhole, but now I'm an expert. Not really. We're playing cornhole. And I get a call from Ben, and the lymphoma is not increasing. And we're celebrating that phone call. You're talking about burdens too heavy for anyone to carry. And Jesus has come to me all who are weary and burdened. And then he goes, and I will give, I will give, there's a gift. I'll give you rest. Now, this isn't rest that comes from sleeping your eight, nine, 12 hours a night. This isn't a rest that comes with vacation. This isn't rest that comes from eating right and exercise. This, this is a different type of rest. But then an invitation Jesus is extending to you. But then Jesus, when he does something that Jesus does all the time, he goes, there's a part that you have to own. This is what Jesus is saying. He's like, hey, hey, I, I'm available, I'm open. The invitation. But then he turns and goes, hey, but you, you, you got to do something. And Jesus goes, take my yoke upon you. Now this, 2,000 years ago, everyone would have gotten the right hook jab that Jesus was giving the Jewish religious leaders. Because the Jewish religious leaders had used this idea, this image of a yoke, which was a piece of wood that tied oxen together to help multiply their effort. The Jewish religious leaders actually attached this imagery of yoke as a burden, as constrictive, attached to God's law. That's how they used it. And Jesus is giving them a right hook, but he's redefining what well, what the yoke really looks like. He goes, take my yoke upon you. The action side of this is, well, it's a, well, you gotta choose to humble yourself to place Jesus' yoke upon you for him to guide you. The, the phrase has been rolling around within my spirit a lot lately is this phrase, the discipline, and who likes discipline? But we all need it. The discipline of discipleship. And I think that's the image of choosing to humble yourself to allow Jesus to guide and direct. He said, hey, take my yoke upon you. And then he goes, and learn from me. Learn from me. Now, if you've been a Christ follower for any any length of time, let, let, let me just give a warning, a caution, and encouragement all in one. It's easy the longer you are a Christ follower, where somewhere along the way, it's about more knowledge. You think if you study the Bible more, that you will actually grow deeper. Deeper never comes from knowledge, ever. Hear me on this, this is so critical. If you want your faith to grow, if you want your faith to stretch, if you want to go deeper, whatever deeper means, you got to take that knowledge and live it out. Period. Christ followers. It's what Jesus said and how he modeled. So when Jesus says, learn from me, he doesn't say gain more knowledge. 
He says, live it out. Place it into action. He says, learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble at heart. Were you raised in a church context? Maybe you're there now and your image of God is some angry, judgmental God with a big hammer just waiting for you to mess up, waiting for you to make a mistake, waiting for you so he can crush you. Is that the image? That's what the Jewish religious leaders did to God, especially with this image of a yoke in God's law. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Gentle. Gentle. And Jesus goes, and I'm humble. The image of humility is God the Son, Jesus, crawling upon a cross to die for you and for me. That is the image of humility. And then Jesus goes, and then you'll find rest for your what? Yeah, souls. Do you want to discover a rest at the soul level? Yes, the Sabbath, six days work, one day rest. It's a great rhythm. But what Jesus is doing is saying, no, no, this is your daily rhythm. Jesus is inviting you daily to come to him with your worries and your burdens, with your stress, your strains, and the loads that are too heavy to come to him. To take his yoke so he will guide you. He will direct you. His gentle, his humility to guide you. And if you do that, you'll discover rest for your souls. And then he ends. Again, just another. This one's a left hook. To all the Jewish religious leaders. He goes, for my yoke is... Well, easy. And my burden is light. All this leads to this one spiritual insight that I hope you hold on to. Think about these three actions that, that Jesus highlights. The first one is come. It's an invitation. The question is, are you going to accept it? Here's the thing. I can't make you accept the invitation. You have to. Mel can't make you accept the invitation. Summit Church can't force you all know that. You have to choose. Are, are you going to accept the invitation to come to Jesus? When you accept that, are you going to choose to take his yoke? Are you going to choose to humble yourself? to recognize that maybe that burden is too heavy for you to carry by yourself. And there you're going to learn from him, which means live it out. Place it into action. If you do, this is the formula for rest for 
your souls. All this leads to three very practical, practical responses that, that maybe this will be helpful to you in the rhythm of your life. Years ago, my wife and I were newly married, and we had some great couples in our life speaking into us, which was such a gift. And we were leading within a great, thriving church, and our, our calendar, our rhythm of life was just crazy. And I remember one time we're sitting down with some friends, and um, uh, his name was Jay, and Jay was a very direct person. He's a guy that would tell you what you didn't want to hear. <laughs> but knew you needed to, that was Jay. And um, we were sitting down, we're trying to get control of our calendar. And, uh, and he was asking some questions, and I remember saying, well, but Jay, they asked us to do this, and you know, we had nothing on our calendar, so how do I respond? We, we had nothing, but we wanted to keep it open, but how do we, you know, we're in church leadership, and we're grateful that when people invite us for dinner and to do things, like we want to say yes, but how do we respond? And he goes, well, just tell them you're busy. I'm like, well, Jay, look at our calendar. Here and here, it's not busy. And that's where they asked. He goes, and it, this one simple statement just changed the course of the rhythm of our lives. He goes, why can't you say I would love to, but I'm busy, and you define busy however you want? Meaning this. He goes, Chris, can you be busy sitting at home in your PJs watching a movie by yourself? Because Chris, can you be busy sitting at home with your wife with a bucket of popcorn watching a movie? Chris, can you be busy in your garage being creative, building stuff? Chris, can you be busy, well, just doing nothing? He goes, do you owe it to anyone to tell them what you're busy doing? And I wanted to respond, yes, I, I need to tell them. I'm like, no, I, I guess I don't need to tell them what I'm busy doing. I shared this with, with our church's um, a while back, and it's like I, I gave them like my secret card, you know, because I use it all the time. But I told them, like, I just want you to know, you'll never know what I'm busy doing. Maybe busy is my sweatpants sitting at home on my back porch watching birds because I'm getting old. <laughs> That's what I do now. We have two blue jays, they're awesome, but blue jays are like bullies of the backyard. Like, they just, it's amazing. Kind of like that, but anyway. Right now I feel no guilt telling people what I'm busy doing. And sometimes my busyness is just for me. The second response that really has helped my, my wife and I lead together, because again, we lead within the church context together. The second response is let me check my calendar and I'll get back to you. I had this horrible habit after weekend services. People would come up to me, we'd get in a conversation, and the conversation goes like, hey, we should get coffee, we should get our families together, we wanna have you over for dinner. And all of that's great, by the way. We love that, right? We, we love being with people. But I would grab my phone right away, and I would start putting calendar requests in, and I'd send them to my wife, or I'd usually forget to send them to her, which would create other issues. I'd come home, like confess to her, hey, I just scheduled like four dinners today. And it was like, what are you doing? And so now, the practice is, I usually don't even have my phone on me on the weekend. I leave it in my office, so it's not on me. And my response, if someone's like, hey, we'd love to get together for dinner, we'd love to have you over, we'd love to do this, my response is, you know what, let, let me get with Kim and, and um, we'll get back with you. 
And you know what this allows us to do? It allows us to look at the rhythm of our schedule. And sometimes we have to tell people, we'd love to get dinner with you, but it might be three months. And I know that feels weird. It might feel bad. I don't know what it feels like to you. All I know is our goal is to create a rhythm that's healthy, that cares for our soul and our family. And just slowing that down allows us to make wise decisions together as husband and wife. And the third response that I give all the time is this, I can't, but I know who you should ask. Do you realize that Jesus didn't heal everyone? Jesus didn't feed everyone. Jesus didn't teach everyone. Jesus didn't go to everyone's house. Jesus didn't go to everyone's wedding and turn water into wine. He didn't. And sometimes in the the Christian church world, all of a sudden there's this expectation that gets applied that, well, we should be Superman and Wonder Woman and do everything. And that's why Jesus said, learn from me. This is so important. Hopefully it will be freeing for some of you. Jesus said, learn from me. And when you say to someone, I, I can't, but I know someone who can, you're inviting someone to take a step on their journey, and maybe God wanted to use you to intersect with their life for them to help that person, that family, that need. God hasn't called you to do everything and be everyone to every single person. Sometimes he just wants to use you to connect with someone else to help them on their spiritual journey. And these three questions all, or these three responses all lead lead to this one question that I want to leave, leave you with. What do you need to stop doing so you can focus on becoming? What do you need to stop doing? So you can focus on coming to Jesus, sitting at his feet, so you can experience rest for your souls. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, from gentle and humble at heart and then you will find rest for your souls I want to pray for all, all of you and uh, when I'm done praying for everyone in Blairsville I just know your host will be up so let's pray Lord I pray for every single person here I don't know what their their weariness is, but you do. Heavenly Father, I don't know what their burden is, but you do. Heavenly Father, I I don't know on a scale of one to ten what, what level of exhaustion within their soul they're feeling, but you do. And so, Lord, I just pray for every single person that they'll come to you They'll take your yoke 
and place it on their shoulders. They'll learn. And in your presence, discover rest for your souls. In your name I pray. Thanks, Chris. The reality is, um, if you don't determine what's important in your life, somebody will. So if, if rest and being healthy spiritually, emotionally is, is important to you, then we have to prioritize it. We have to make space. Uh, and it's not simply a calendar issue. I hope you caught that. It really is about prioritizing God in our lives, that he's not just something we do, that he is, he's the hub, he's the center of all that. And if we're gonna know real rest, we have to know the God who gives us real rest, rest for our souls. And so, I guess I wanna divide this up into two areas. One would be, if you know you're a believer, you're going to heaven, but maybe you've just let some things drift you realize, man, I'm exhausted, I'm not emotionally, spiritually healthy, um, then I want you to respond at the end of our, our worship experience today. I want you to come forward and let our prayer team pray with you. Um, but if, if you're here and you don't know the God who gives real rest, I want to give you that opportunity. I don't want you to leave here without, without being in relationship with God and experiencing that. So so if you would, bow your head and close your eyes over this place. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you that you are our source. And God, all the things we do in our life to try to find real rest, they're going to be empty. It's, it's going to leave us even more exhausted so many times. But God, I thank you that in you, we can find real rest for our souls. And I pray that if there are people that have been searching for that, they've been looking for that, I pray that their search would end, that they would see how good it is to know you and be known by you, to be in relationship with you, to, to surrender the lordship of their lives to you. So God, I pray over these next few moments, you would just speak into us, you would challenge us, you would draw us and let your Holy Spirit do the work here that no one can do. So God, minister. No, nobody looking around, if you'd say to me, Mel, you know what, I'm I recognize that I'm not really walking with God. Um, I do all the religious stuff. I know the right things to say and when to say them. You know, I know how you're supposed to act and all those kind of things. But the truth is, I don't really know rest because I don't know God. And, and I want to surrender to him today. I want to surrender the lordship of my life to him. Ask him to give me the rest he needs. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. And if you want to be included in that prayer and say, I want to surrender to his lordship, I want to know real rest, would you slip your hand up real high where I can see it? You can put it right back down. If you'd say, Mel, pray for me, include me in that prayer. Yeah, I see you. A couple hands in the back. Thank you so much. You can put your hands down. Praise God. Yeah, up at the balcony. Awesome. Who else? Just a few more seconds. Anyone else want to join these and say, pray for me? book of Romans tells us that 
if you, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And so this is two things. We say this prayer out loud with our mouth, but we don't just repeat a mindless prayer. We say it from our heart. We, we really pray this. And so I want you to do this with me. I want you to pray this prayer out loud with me. And I want everybody in the place to, to pray this prayer with me. So say this out loud. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me so much that you gave Jesus to pay the penalty for my sins on the cross. From this day forward, you are my Lord. Take my life and use it for your glory and help me find rest for my soul. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a round of applause today. Listen, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, whether you raised your hand or not, I'm telling you today you're a new creation. And uh, I'm excited for what God is doing in your life and what the next steps are for you and what the trajectory of your life could be from this point forward. So thank you for praying that prayer with us. Um, I would love to help you take the next step in your faith journey. And it's really simple. Um, a couple things you can do. You can take the card out of the seat back in front of you and then just take it to our info center. They're going to give you some information. They're going to give you a Bible. Uh, they're going to help get you connected to a group that can help you grow in your faith. Um, if you're watching online or you'd prefer, you're here in the room and you prefer to, you can simply text the word Summit PA to the number 94000. And when you do that, we're going to respond back to you. You can select the prompt that says salvation. And we're going to respond back to you. And we're going to get you some resources. We'll connect you to Starting Point and uh, some, some people that are going to help you grow in your faith and really discover rest for your soul. So we want to help you do that. Uh, I'm going to pray a final prayer of blessing over us as we're dismissed today. While I'm praying that prayer, uh, some of our prayer team is going to join me here at the front of this room. And if you need prayer for anything at all today, no matter what it may be, maybe it's physical healing, a relationship issue, whatever it might be, uh, maybe, maybe you just want to respond to this message today like I asked you to do. Maybe God's dealing with your heart about some stuff. I would encourage you, as we're dismissed, make your way forward. Find one of our prayer team uh, members. Let them just pray with you today before you go. I believe it can make a huge difference. So let me pray for you while our team joins me up here. Lord, thank you so much for being so good to us. Thank you for loving us so much that you did send Jesus for us. God, I pray that we would not live our life at the frenetic pace that the world says we need to. But God, help us to find true peace and true rest in you. God, I pray as we leave here today, Lord, we wouldn't just leave here as a moral people or good people, but God, I pray that we would leave here, walk out of this place as a standard of rest that the people around us would would. Lord, long for. They would want what we have when they see what you're doing in our lives. So God, I pray that we would be vessels of your glory. We would be um, likenesses of you in this world. And I pray that you'd get all the glory for it, that your, your name would be made famous in Indiana, Indiana County, and around the world. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you're doing. God, thank you in advance for what you're going to do. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.